I want to talk to you today about God's miraculous power, and what I want you to know is it's for you too. Turn to someone beside you and say, God's miraculous power is for me too. Would you just do that? Just humor me for just a moment. He loves you. He wants to work on your behalf. We come to the amazing story of Lazarus in the Bible today, and let's start at John eleven four. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. A messenger had been sent by Mary and Martha. And he said this, no, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. How many of you remember Steve Glavin, who used to go to church here and be on staff as one of our pastors? Okay. Steve, uh, I, I Facebooked him to get the story accurate, and he sent this to me. When he was 12 years old, he had a turtle that died. And his mom threw it in the garbage, one of those little dime store turtles that go in the little plastic, you know, five-gallon container things. And apparently, that garbage, uh, she threw it in the garbage, and the garbage collector dropped it, and Steve later found it out in front of the house. And being a, uh, a nerd, as he put it on his uh, Facebook message, he went into his bedroom and got out a scalpel, and he cut that little turtle open, and he got a 12-volt battery and hooked two wires to it. <laughs> It's a 12-year-old kid. Those of you who know Steve know this is quite possible. And he took those little wires and shocked that little heart, and the turtle came back to life. He taped it up, and it lived for several more weeks after that. Now, knowing Steve, how many of you believe that story? Raise your hand, all right? Okay. I, I find it interesting, and, and, and that is a true story. Uh, I find it interesting that we can believe things like that, but sometimes we have a hard time Believing that God can come into our circumstances when we're sick and hurting and wounded and by his almighty power touch us and do a miracle, that's what we have trouble believing. Well, he can do so much more than any person. And we can believe that God wants to bring life to our situation. Here we find death as Lazarus dies. And Jesus brings life into the situation. I believe he wants to do that for you and your circumstances. And my goal today is to convince you that God can and will do miracles on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we invite your presence into this room. God, I ask that you would be in charge. Even as I speak, Lord, that your spirit would speak through me. That it would be your words, the scriptures, Lord that would breathe life into us and make us see how powerful, how loving, and how present you are for our trouble, our trial, and our situation. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First thought I have here, and it's, it's not really an original saying, but I couldn't better it. I couldn't improve it, so I'm going to go with it because it works so perfectly in this, in this scenario of the scriptures. But the first thought is this, God's delays are not God's denials. In John eleven twenty one, 21, <clears throat> Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Have you ever been there where Martha was? Jesus, where were you? God, you could have stopped this terrible thing, and you didn't. 
if we're honest, <clears throat> most of us have been there. Sometimes we go through a trial and God doesn't show up to help us and we get confused. We think, God, if you really love me, then why did you let this happen? Let's look at the story and learn from it now. John eleven three. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So the first thing we see in this story that we can remember about Jesus and Lazarus is Jesus loved Lazarus very much. If he loved him so much, why did he let him get sick? Maybe even more, why did he wait so long to go to him? For that matter, we know from the scriptures because of the officer's son in the Bible, he could have healed him from the distance, but he didn't. Why? Well, his delay was not because he had a lack of love. He was waiting until just the right moment in the Father's plan. Did you know it's a matter of faith when we trust in that principle as well in our own, our own lives? That he has a plan and his ways are higher than ours? That we don't completely understand nor do we see everything? And we must remember that in the scriptures, God never promised us that we would have no heartache. He never promised us that we wouldn't have sorrow or pain. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us we would have sorrow, trials, and pain in this life. John 16, 33, the words of Jesus Christ. And he said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This thought that if you have any trouble, any trial, any sorrow, something's wrong with you and your connection with God, somehow God doesn't like you, that thought is not a God thought. I don't know if you can find a person that's talked much about in the Bible, Moses, David, Esther, go, go down the line through every great saint, all the uh, apostles, disciples, they were martyred. They had trouble and trials and even sickness. And so to think somehow if you were more spiritual or God loved you more, that everything would be just right, it's a wrong thought. We have trouble in this life, but we have Jesus who cares, who will meet us at just his right time, sometimes building things into our lives through the Pain, the sorrow, the trial, the sickness. Oh, there's a place where there'll be no more pain, no more sorrows. It's spoken of in Revelation 21. It's called heaven. This is not heaven. And there it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. It's talking about you and me, the saints. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's when it's all gone. That's when there's no more pain. No more trouble, no more heartache. Now, don't get me wrong, I still feel like the best and most abundant life you can live on this earth is in Jesus Christ, and the scriptures make that clear. But when you're living for Jesus, you don't get to escape pain. Sometimes he allows it even for his purposes. He tells us in the word that he uses trials to build us up. Look what it says in James 1.3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What, is that part of your theological base as a believer, that your faith would be tested so that you could grow? Most of us 
don't think that way, nor do we want to think that way. Verse four says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I can tell you, and many saints here, those people who are believers who love Jesus can tell you, and usually the most mature among us will be honest and say that some of the deepest struggles and hardest things in life have built us to a point where our trust is beyond what it's ever been before. Where our faith, even though there was a struggle, where Jesus met us incredibly in those dark, hard moments and either wrapped his arms of love around us or delivered us. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Jesus, there was the fourth that looked like the Son of God. I've always loved that because it's the Old Testament. That looked like the Son of God that was in the fire with them. And I've always had this belief that either God will walk through the fire with you or he'll deliver you from the fire. But either way, you have Jesus, you have God the Father who will walk with you, help you through every struggle you face. I like the way Warren Worsby says it. God's love for his own is not a pampering love, it's a perfecting love. We don't get to escape pain in this life. These ladies were in deep pain. This was a friend of Jesus, Lazarus. This is one that he really deeply loved. And he was dead. Why did Jesus delay? Because Jesus lived on a divine timetable. He knew that he would raise him from the dead. But he knew that his father had a purpose and a plan and a timing in these things. And he could be patient. So what's the purpose of the delay? Well, let me give you a few thoughts. Why did he wait four days? Number one, to show himself as all-powerful Lord of life. Let's admit it now. If he had gone, if, if Lazarus had died on his bed in his house and Jesus would have gone into the privacy of that room and healed him, he would have done just as great a miracle to bring a dead person to life. But when Lazarus has been dead for four days and buried in a tomb, and everybody's gathering around thinking, what is this guy doing? And he's about to open that tomb and bring him forth and bring life to a dead man who stinks and is wrapped up. That is a little more dramatic, isn't it? Than just being in the privacy of a room. And God had purpose in this, to show himself as the powerful Lord of life who could even change by his word death and bring life back into a person. He was strengthening, that's the second thing, strengthening the faith of his followers by doing this. And third, he was leading many to salvation because we see in the passage that when they saw this, many people came to Jesus. And fourth, I would add, because he was heading back near Jerusalem. The saints were, the, the, the disciples, the apostles were trying to warn him, no, we can't go back, that's too close because they're after you, they want to kill you. And Jesus was essentially saying, my hour is near, I'm going back, I'll perform this miracle and then I'll be captured and fulfill my Father's will to die for the sins of all mankind. Now that's pretty deep. None of us would have been able to figure out why Jesus delayed, but that's just a little bit of why he delayed. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He would bring life through Lazarus and he was coming as a willingness to lay down his life. He's proven his love to you by laying down his life. Will you let him prove his will to you in the circumstances of your life as well? 
He's proven his love. Will you trust him? His timing. God's will is sometimes more complex and expansive than we know. Someone has said, and and now that I, I think I heard this 15 or 20 years ago, and you know how some statements will just ring true because of experience and, and retrospect. Someone has said, when you go through a deep trial in your life, you can't really have the proper perspective until you're 10 years removed from it. I have found that to be true. I like what one brother said, when you can't track him, you can trust him. And in that 10-year period, if that's true, if you'll just trust Someday you'll understand. Someday you'll see. Someone wrote this message and sent it to me this week. They said, several years ago now, I went through a deep depression. It was the lowest point of my life. I'd been hurt by other believers, people who I trusted and I didn't understand. For nearly three years, I asked God where he was in all of this. I couldn't understand how he could allow this to happen to me. I never lost faith in God, but I certainly didn't understand him and couldn't see him at work in my life. Have you ever been there? The only scripture that I could relate to, this person said, was David lamenting in the Psalms. But what I didn't know was that God was using that time in my life to prepare me. He was taking me through some things that would shape the next season of my life. Though it was painful and I couldn't see him at work, he was working all things together for good in my life. It was during this time that I started attending Grace, now Horizon Community Church, and God continued to heal and restore my life. God took me through some dark places where I couldn't see his direction, but in his good timing, he brought me through it. And now, though I don't ever want to go through that again, I wouldn't trade those scars for anything. They've made me who I am today. The person who wrote that is our youth pastor, David Conley. All of us go through trials. In this world, we suffer loss because this isn't heaven. But as we hold to Jesus and we trust in him, we find his miraculous power coming into our circumstances one way or the other, but he's so evident and he's so present. Proverbs 3, 6 says this, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, instead rather, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Jesus said to the messenger that Mary and Martha sent, the sickness will not end in death for it will be used for God's glory. And God will show you his glory in your trials as well as you place your trust in him. Either here, there, or in the air, you will eventually win if you trust Jesus. Second thought for the scriptures from the scripture today is this, nothing is impossible when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean that Jesus will do everything you ask him to do, but it's certainly absolutely true that nothing is impossible when we put our faith in him. 
He has resurrection power, not only for Lazarus, but for all circumstances. Verse 25 of John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That word believes in the Greek has what's called a perfect tense. And this is what it indicates, that it's a fixed and settled faith. So when he says, do you believe, he means, is it fixed? Is it really settled? Do you understand who I am and how great I am? So the definition would really be this, I have believed and I will continue to believe. That's what the Greek means there. I have believed and I will continue to believe. Even if the circumstances don't change, I believe in Jesus Christ. Even if my loved one dies, I believe in his power to raise him. I believe in his power to take them to heaven. I believe in his power to meet me, to love me, to help me in all circumstances of my life. It is fixed and it is settled. I'm talking about what we need to have in our hearts. I believe in him and I will continue to believe. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus had told Martha and Lazarus sickness, this sickness wouldn't end in death. Now I want you to notice that he didn't tell her that Lazarus would not die because he did. He said, this is not how it's going to end. Well, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I'm gonna talk about faith and healing, but God has a perfect will and I don't understand it. The Bible says it's appointed for man wants to die. So in general, most of us don't get two deaths like Lazarus did, right? I mean, let's be honest. And we'll have loved ones that we care about, that we'll pray for to be raised up. And they won't be at times. Does it mean that God doesn't care, that he doesn't love us? No, because this is still true. I mean, you gotta have faith to see this. Even if your loved one isn't raised off that hospital bed to live again, they still have life that's resurrection power. If they know Jesus and trust Jesus, it's life forevermore. As a matter of fact, when Jesus cried in this passage... Who knows, it could have been because he thought, bummer for you, Lazarus, I know how great it is in heaven. You've been there four days experiencing this incredible bliss where there's no more pain, sorrows, tears. You've met your loved ones. You've walked those streets. Now I have to bring you back. Maybe that's why he cried. See, our perspective isn't quite right, but... No matter what, he's Lord. He brings life. He brings eternal life. And we trust him and keep our faith in him, a fixed and settled belief. With Jesus, even when things are dead, it's not the end. I just want to say that again. With Jesus, even when things are dead, it's not the end. That's why that scripture means so much to us in the Bible that says death has no sting. That's why we're not as afraid of death. Listen, I have a keen sense of self-preservation. I would like to keep going for a while longer. I think most of us have that because God put it there. But I'm not afraid to die. I believe what I've been preaching. God loves me and God loves you. And even death has no sin because when, it, when it's dead here on earth, it's, it's not the end. 
But the sisters seem to struggle for faith in this situation. After all, their brother has died. And we certainly understand a struggle in faith when a loved one would pass. John eleven thirty two 32 picks the story up when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now there's a measure of faith there if, if you'd have been here, right? Jesus was gonna bring Lazarus back from the dead. She didn't know that. It's about to have the most dramatic ending possible here in the story, but she didn't know that. John eleven forty. 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? I think Jesus would say that to us today. I pray by faith for healing on, on a regular basis. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I see people get healed. I do not have the gift of healing, but a compassionate, loving God works through all of us who will pray a prayer of faith. And if God's will is to heal and we'll pray by faith, something happens to shake things loose, even with humanity and the barriers and the boundaries that are here in this life. God is supernatural and he can move and he's about to do it here. We're human like these ladies. And they were disappointed. And they were sad. And Jesus reminds them of his word. Hey, ladies, remember I told you, you'll see the glory of God if you believe. Now let me read some scriptures to us so that our belief would rise here a little bit. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now I just wanna tell you, I didn't make that up. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. My um, dad was with us a few weeks ago and I sure love my, my parents. It was so good to have them here with us. My dad um, is not a highly educated man, but he's always been a man of faith. As a matter of fact, when he was here for 15 years as a, an associate pastor, one of the things we had him do was go to the hospitals and pray for people and do visitation. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't his assignment because he had... Uh, nothing else to do and we would just give it to him. I happen to know something about my dad. He goes to pray for people. He lays hands on them and really believes for God to raise them up and to heal them. As a matter of fact, I've seen him sometimes be surprised when God didn't heal. I kind of like that. Wow. I prayed. I I thought for sure they were going to be healed. There's a measure of faith that dad has in simplicity that's quite remarkable. And I got to be the beneficiary of that growing up along with my siblings. And I can tell you many times that mom and dad would pray and we would would just see the hand of God move. I want to tell you a story that's going to be hard for you to believe, but nevertheless, it's true. Dad was a pastor in John Day, Oregon. And he got a call from a mother at the hospital who was distraught. She had a young boy named Brandon, her son, who was on his deathbed. She didn't go to church where dad pastored, but she asked him, she must have looked him up in the book and asked him if he would come. This was 19 years ago. 
and pray for her boy. And so dad dropped what he was doing, drove to the hospital, and he walked into the entrance and was met by the boy's mother who said, you're too late. My son passed away five minutes ago. And she was understandably distraught. And dad said this with this simple faith, are you a Christian? Which doesn't seem to be an appropriate question to me, but that's what dad said. Are you a Christian? She said, no, I used to go to church when I was little, but I haven't served God for many years. And my dad said this, I need you to pray to ask Jesus into your heart because I need your faith before I pray for this boy. She said, but my boy is gone. And dad said, pray with me. He's always been a little bit focused on whatever he wants. He said, pray with me. And she prayed a sinner's prayer right there. And dad took her into the room where her boy was. The medical staff was standing over the boy's body, surveying one last time before they unhooked the monitors. And dad and that mom walked right into the room. And one of the attendants turned around and said, who is this? And the mom said, it, it, it's a pastor. I've asked him to pray. It's okay. And they seemed to have some concern and reluctance about Pastor Ray being there, but they decided to let him pray rather than to disallow this woman her last desperate hope. And dad began to pray, not loudly, but audibly. And everyone in the room could hear his words. And he prayed something simple, but powerful. He said, God, you're loving and you're compassionate. You're powerful. You care about this family. I ask that you would raise this boy up. And in a minute or so, after he started praying, one of the attendants said with excitement, his heart is beating. And a few seconds later, the other said, he's breathing. And they started to scramble to add their skill to the situation as well. And the mom was absolutely overwhelmed and overjoyed. And she said to dad, it's a miracle. God has done a miracle. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to believe that. But she did. They told her her boy was gone. And then her boy was back. I'm not here today to make you think my dad or I can do miracles. We cannot. I'm here today to tell you that Jesus, the one we serve, he's the one who can do the miracles. James 5.14 says this. Now, listen, I know that there's a lot of what we call theology, a lot of scholars and people who say healing is not for today. But all I can say is, boy, when you're in a really rough situation, you're going to want to believe what I'm saying today. And you may not like some of those guys, but I've seen it time and time again. They'll say, I don't really believe what those guys think, but when they get really sick, they'll go to them for prayer. Now, I want you to listen to what the Bible says. You know, if you think this is far-fetched, listen to what the Bible says in James 5, 14, the New Testament. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. How, how do you explain that away out of the New Testament if you don't believe in healing? And the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. 
At the end of this service, we've asked prayer partners to come forward. And we're gonna have a time of worship. And here's what I would like for you to do. I'd like for you to have enough faith for your situation or your loved one's situation if they need healing to come forward. You say, man, you're getting out there. What if the Lord doesn't heal? Hey, it's not my job to tell him what to do. It's my job to ask him to do it. It's not my job to make sure people are healed. It's my job to make sure we're praying and doing what the Bible says. And here's what we'll see. We'll see him come to many situations. We'll see him embrace people at the end of this service. We'll hear reports back about people who've got healed. You said, you seem confident in that. Well, hey, if I didn't have the experience of 30 years of seeing God do miracles, I wouldn't be as confident. You say, does he heal every time? It is not my experience that he heals every time, but he heals a lot, and I get really excited when he does. I don't understand his purposes or his timing. I don't understand the here, there, or in the air. That's all up to him. But I understand this. He said, I would like for you to pray that healing would come and exercise your faith and I'll show up in miraculous ways. He cares. And as we pray today after this service, I'm believing, I've been praying and believing that God will do amazing things among us. Third thought today. Jesus has compassion for you when you're hurting. John eleven thirty three. 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. And troubled, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest, but maybe deepest verse in the Bible John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus once more deeply moved. Now notice that, deeply moved. He's weeping. He's experiencing, feeling for these people who hurt because their loved one's gone. I don't think he's grieving for the loss of his friend. I think the tears were misinterpreted here by those who are around him thinking he knows he's too late and he's sad about it. I don't think that's true at all. He knows he's going to raise him up, right? But as you look at that word in the Greek saying he wept in John eleven thirty five, first of all, it's used nowhere else in the New Testament. That's the only place that that word is used, the, the Greek word. And there were mourners there, but if you look at the Greek there, the definition would say that they were crying out loud with loud lamentations. But the Greek word and the definition for Jesus crying is different. It was a shedding of quiet tears. The only place it's mentioned in the New Testament, that that word. Why was he crying? Well, I believed he had compassion because he hurts with those who hurt. But it was more than that. You know, John 14, 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Over and over again in the New Testament, we see that Jesus had compassion, that Jesus healed because of his compassion. I like to pray about that compassion when I pray for healing and say, Jesus, I know you have compassion and I know you have all power. That's a pretty good combination when you go to prayer. I know that you care for this person right now and I know you have the power to move on their behalf. But he wasn't troubled just because he had compassion. As a matter of fact, 
In the Greek, the definition of, of that word means to be agitated in spirit. So he had compassion, but he's agitated somehow. And what was he agitated about? Well, he was agitated because the effects of sin in this world had brought about death. And moved by compassion and a holy indignation against the enemy of our souls, Jesus is about to speak and to bring life. And he starts to come, and now he's speaking with that voice of authority, take away the stone, he said in John eleven thirty nine. Now tombs were often cut into limestone, making a cave in the side of a, a wall of rock, and a stone was placed over the entrance, much like you hear about at Easter with Jesus. Same situation here. We pick the story up again. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. And make no mistakes, he'd been in there four days. He'd been wrapped up. He stunk. She said, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. So Jesus says, roll away the stone, and she says, I don't think that's such a good idea, because he stinks. And aren't we like that sometimes too? Jesus, I'm not sure you fully understand my situation, right? Because if you did, I think you would do it this way. I think you wouldn't have let that happen, and you're certainly not going to let this happen. I don't think you fully understand. And that's where she was. Jesus, in a gentle way, reminds her of his message. And he urged her to believe. And Martha, who was struggling with her faith, exercises faith at that point. Says, all right, let's roll that stone away. Sometimes it takes just a mustard seed sized faith to unleash the power of Jesus Christ into your life. Matthew 17, 20. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And that small amount of obedience, all right, Let's roll the stone away. You say, what's it going to take? I, I don't know, but I, I'll tell you this. It, it, is, it is a measure of faith to move from your seat to come up here to get prayer. Because in, in your heart, I, I'm not saying it's the key to unleash everything. I'm saying God honors even that sometimes. You say, well, I don't know if I have faith. Well, listen. Do you remember the paralytic the Bible says he was healed when his friends let him down into that house. He was healed because of their faith. Let us have faith for you. Let us have faith with you. Let us pray with you. And let's see what our almighty, loving, compassionate God will do. They simply did what he said and moved the stone and kaboom, here it comes. One of the most dramatic events in the whole Bible. I, uh, one of my favorite movies is um, The Princess Bride. Tells you a little bit about me, probably. But I, I don't know why, but I think of it often when, when I watch that movie. 
those three words that he keeps saying to the princess over and again, as you wish. His love for her is so great that even when she asks him to do something that's hard or a little bit ridiculous, he says, as you wish. And in my warped mind, I, I, I think of that thought as it translates to the Lord when he asked me to do something. If I could just get to the place where my love for him was so great that when he would say, here's what I want you to do, if I could love him enough just to say, as you wish. What will it cost me? That doesn't matter if he wants it. As you wish. And that's kind of what happened right here. Roll the stone away. And those ladies said, as you wish. Makes no sense to us, but we're going to do it because that's what you say to do. You know, it seems so far-fetched to people when it comes to miracles and faith and you start talking about these things. People, People just get all flustered. I've learned to work through it. You know why? People's doubts and unbelief. I've learned to work through it because I keep seeing him heal. So, okay, let's take a little heat. Let them say what they want about us, but let's pray and see people's lives touched. That's the real deal, isn't it? That's what the focus is. And yet, I find it so interesting, this culture, when you, when you go, I have a tough time with some of these movies these days. It's just too far-fetched for me to go there. Iron Man. She's going to cut this hole and put this metal thing in there. And he's powerful. You know, it's like, well, yeah, that could happen. Sure. But we just go there in the movie, right? The Fantastic Four. Zoom, zoom, Flying away with cars and buildings. And we think, well, that could happen. Yeah, that could happen. I can't do it. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to watch it with my kids. They know that I'm so practical that it's hard. And I try not to say, this is so dumb. And yet we can go in there and let our brains go and just enjoy the moment and cheer and clap at the end of the movie because the heroes came through. And, and here we are in the real deal and people have trouble believing this stuff. I'm going to try something here. I've never done it before. I'm going to try a dramatic reading. For a while, before I became a ministry major, I was a communications major. And I had to take drama. Did you know there's some really weird people in that major? They're just, they're artsy. We'll just say that. And we had a class called Dramatic Reading. And it was just kind of hard for me to get out of myself. But some of these people would get up and read and move and do this stuff, you know, and there's seven of us in the room. It just felt awkward, you know. But eventually I learned to relax and think, well, these guys are kind of fun. I want to try a dramatic reading here this morning. And I'm going to ask you to work with me. I'm going to read this passage with the passion that it deserves. And I'm going to ask you to, let's even say, act like you're excited as, we, as I read this. I, it's a real and a dramatic event, and I, I want you to cheer and clap like they do at the movies at some point. And we're going to look at the power of the one and only King of Kings who has everything in his hands, 
And, and I'm going to ask you as I start to read to get into it. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you think this is stupid, just make it stupider. Say that for just a moment, okay? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to work with Pastor Stan here for just a moment. Now, when I get to the portion where it says, Lazarus, come forth, I would like for you to get really excited. You don't look like you want to do this right now. I would like for you to get really excited. Let's just have fun with this, okay, for a moment. Let's just get into it. And when I say take off the grave clothes, I, I just, it's a dramatic reading, and I want you to just act like Maybe even believed. You know, the Bible says it's okay to shout and to clap. And I mean, it's supposed to be normal stuff in, in a church. We can do it for the blazers, right? Let's do it here. All right, that's the most encouragement I can give. We'll see how this goes now. <clears throat> John eleven forty one. Now you're going to get excited. You're going to clap. You're going to cheer. You're going to go crazy. I'm just going to say it. You're going to go crazy. John eleven. 41, here's the dramatic reading. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, come on now, church. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out! You get goosebumps. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go! Yeah! Glory to God! Yeah! It's real. It's true. Oh, baby. Thank you. All the drama people stood. Thank you so much for that. There's nothing worth getting more excited about than this stuff in life. If that seemed weird to you, any game, any actor, any movie, any singer, anything in life, nothing is worthy of the praise that we're giving right here for the one true God who does this and meets us. Listen, that same God will meet you with his miraculous power. I want our prayer partners to come and to get in place. I want the band to come if they would. I want to build your faith with these thoughts here. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus loves you as well. Listen to what it says in Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He loves you. This was his friend who he loved. Jesus called Lazarus his friend, but he calls you as his friend. He said he loves you and he calls you his friend. Romans 5, 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has made us friends of God. So he loves you and he calls you his friend. He did a miracle for a man here in the word that he loved and called his friend and he says to you, I love you. I call you my friend. Psalm 84, 11. 
all comes down to this. This is what I've been hoping for in your heart. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk along his paths.